Well, good morning. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Dylan, and uh, I serve here as our student pastor. And uh, what an honor, what a joy it is to be able to do that. Um, if you don't know, uh, the pretty uh, blonde who was on stage at the beginning, that's my wife. Uh, I love her dearly and uh, thankful for her. And uh, just so you know, she loves hugs. Um, so she hates hugs, actually. Um, but anyways, so um, what an honor it is to be here this morning. So glad to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. 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 Um, so if you want to go ahead and open your Bibles to uh, Matthew chapter 6, we are continuing in our series, Summer on the Mount, which is based out of uh, Jesus's famous sermon, uh, the Sermon on the Mount. And so in Matthew's chapter 5 through 7, we see that, that this is one long, continuous sermon given by Jesus at one occasion, at one time, for the disciples who would have been willing to climb the mountain with Jesus. And so what Jesus is doing here in this Sermon on the Mount is he is sweeping aside the low, inadequate, and insufficient standards of the Pharisees of that day. And what he's doing here, as he's sweeping them aside, he is reaffirming God's divine standard as to what it looks like for life in his kingdom. And so Jesus, he gives this sermon here in contrast to the Pharisees, in, in contrast to the system of religion of the day to say, look, to be in my kingdom, you must live to my standards. And so in our passage today, as followers of Jesus, Jesus wants us to have the right view and right perspective of wealth and necessities. Not to worry, but to simply have faith in the care of our heavenly father. And our view of these things must exceed that of the Pharisees. And so this morning, our passage has already been read by Mark. And so let's begin breaking this down. I want to I just kind of uh, summarize in two sections, uh, verses 19 through 24. Summary is this. Jesus gives us three choices. He says, you will choose between two, two treasures, two visions, and two masters. Which will you choose? And the question that comes from that section is this. What's the attitude of your heart? And then in verses 25 through 34, Jesus simply tells us not to worry and then he tells us what we should do instead, and that's to seek his kingdom. So beginning in verse 19, Jesus says this, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. So here Jesus, he immediately goes to material possessions. Out of the uh, many parables that Jesus gave, uh, roughly 40% of them are in regard to how we handle our money and our possessions. And so in the gospels too, we see that, that roughly one out of, uh, out of 10 verses deals with money or possessions. So I would say it's a major issue. And Jesus wants us to have the right perspective of each. And so here when Jesus says this, he's, he's, he's saying, look, don't stockpile. Don't, don't store up and put all of your efforts into material possessions. So let's be clear here, though. What Jesus is referring to when he's, when he's saying this is he's referring to the stockpiled luxuries that we just hoard up for ourselves. And it's the things that, that we could beyond possibly ever use. And, but, but listen here, 
when he's, when he's saying don't, don't, don't stockpile our luxuries, he's not forbidding bank accounts or savings accounts or even making wise investments. Someone, someone may, may push back on this and say, well, what about in Matthew 19 where Jesus uh, says to go and sell everything you own and, and give it to the poor? Well, in context there, Jesus is speaking to the rich young ruler. And, and the reason that Jesus told him that was because his possessions and his wealth, it stood between him and God. He told him this because the, the issue was, wasn't that he was rich and that he had money and had wealth, but that his treasures stood between him and God. He treasured more the things that he had over the treasures that he could have in Christ. In the book of uh, 1 Timothy, Jesus tells us that, uh, that, that God is, or the scriptures say that God has given us things to enjoy. If you're taking notes, write this down. It isn't a sin to have things. It's a sin for things to have you. There's a common misconception um, going uh, around in our, our world today. Maybe you've said it. Maybe uh, you've heard someone say it. The, the common misconception is this, that, that money is the root of all evil. Actually, First uh, Timothy, Paul actually tells Timothy, he says that actually the love of money is the root of all evil. See, money is not good or bad in and of itself. Being wealthy is, is not a sin. We look at, the, at Job. Job was, was, was wealthy. He was described as a man who was blameless and upright, one who, who feared God and one who actually turned away from evil. So what, what, what Paul is referring to here, it's the, the, the love of money in, in, implies this emotional affection. And that is the root of all sorts of evil. It's the desire to accumulate wealth over the desire to glorify and honor the Lord. See, you can have no money and still love it wrongly. It's the love of money that corrupts. And Jesus here, when he's speaking, he says, I want us, you as disciples, people of, of me to have the, uh, the heart that is pure. And Jesus is getting to the motive and the heart behind what you do and where you put your treasures. Jesus goes on to say, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. You know, the, the moth was, was commonly described as a, as a destroyer of, of garments. Have you ever noticed that uh, moths don't eat what you wear, they eat what you store up? And so this, this word rust here that Jesus is speaking of, it's a general term for consuming or that which is eaten which not only points to the destructive action that takes place on metals, but also to food. And so in, in Bible times, one of the ways that they would store up their wealth was to store it up in grain. But the problem is that storing up grain, you have other things that like to eat it as well. Rats, worms, other vermin. And so I uh, actually, in, in my studying, I, was, I found this article in 2008 that said that nearly 50% of all grain stored in India is eaten by rats and other vermin. And because of this, they, they went on to tell people, look, I need you to start eating the rats. And they even went so far to offer rats on the menu at restaurants. Anybody? <laughs> Anybody op open for that? 
So we see that what happens when, when we store up those things that Jesus is talking about. And in Bible times, another, th- another way they would store up their wealth was they would store it up in gold or precious metals. But the problem was, how do you, how do you hide it? Well, they would actually hide it in the walls of their home or they would go out in the fields and they would dig holes and they would bury it in those holes. And so, so the thieves here that Jesus is referring to, they were literal mud diggers as they would break into people's homes. They would break through the walls of the home. They would go out into the fields to steal these treasures. And so what we can see is that the most valuable possessions that we have are subject to being consumed by moths, by rust, or by thieves. Uh, there was a story that I heard, um, and uh, there was this farmer. He, he walked in uh, to his kitchen, and, uh, and he told his wife and his kids, he said, look, um, he was super excited. He said, hey, our, our best cow has given birth to, uh, to twin calves. And he said, you know, as this was taking place, I was thinking, um, honey, we should, uh, we should actually uh, sell, when, when it t- comes time, we should sell off one of these calves and, and you know, keep the proceeds for ourselves but then we should uh, sell the other one and give the proceeds to the Lord's work. And she says, okay, great, it sounds awesome, you know? So, so time goes on and uh, it comes time. And uh, actually before uh, the, uh, the cows were, were both born, he said, uh, honey, um, I have bad news. And she said, what? She said, the, the, Lord, the Lord's calf has died. And we laugh at that, right? But we can see how, as humans, we can find ourselves you know, hearing this and, and seeing that, wow, I, I, can, I can find myself laying up treasures on this earth. We, we find ourselves being, being rich towards ourselves, but yet poor towards the Lord. And so where I set my heart is really the critical issue in my spiritual life because it will, it will literally determine how I perceive everything. If my heart is right, if my heart is, is in my, in my treasure is towards God, then I'm going to have the right kind of spiritual perception. But see, the problem with the Pharisees was they had the wrong kind of spiritual perception. Instead of being the salt and, and, and the light of the world, they were part of the corruption and they were part of the darkness. Everything about them was, was, was external and, and, and self-centered and, and self-motivated. And so Jesus here is saying, look, in contrast to the Pharisees, we must have the right heart when it comes to our treasures because your treasure and your heart, they go together. They need to both be towards God. Campbell Morgan said this. He said that those in the kingdom of God are not the children of today. The measurement of your life cannot be restricted between the blue skies and the earth beneath your feet. You belong to the infinite. If you make your fortune here on earth, then you poor, sorry, silly soul, you have made a fortune and stored it in a place where you cannot hold it. He says, make your fortune, but store it where it will greet you in the dawning of the new morning. So what does it look like to practically store up treasures in heaven? I thought since we were in the Sermon on the Mount, it would be fitting to pull um, some, uh, some of those from the Sermon on the Mount. And so what does it look like to lay up treasures in heaven? Here are only a few. Showing mercy and making peace. Being the salt and the light of the world. Following God's commands. Being faithful to your spouse. Resisting anger. Loving your enemies. Giving in needy. Giving in secret to the needy. 
practicing forgiveness, shunning worry, serving others, and being humble and pure in heart, hungering and thirsting for righteousness. You know, I love looking back at the, uh, at the early church in Acts chapter 2 as an example of us, uh, for us today as to what it looks like to make kingdom investments. So on the, on, the, on the day of Pentecost, there were thousands who would actually gather in Jerusalem. And as they gathered, they would find themselves staying in other people's homes because there were not enough room uh, in the inns. In and so as we know, on the great day of Pentecost, uh, these pilgrims became believers. As it says that when Peter preached, 3,000 of them became redeemed. And so check this out, though. What's really interesting when I, was, when I was checking into this, now that they were believers, look, they didn't want to return back home because now they were in the church. They wanted to stay here. And what does it say? It says that the believers sold their properties and all they had and shared it with them. That's laying up treasure in heaven. During uh, the Roman persecutions of, of Christianity, uh, the Roman authorities, they, they once broke into a church thinking that they were going to loot the treasures of the church. And at one of the, the Roman authorities, they, 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 they tear into the, the, into the church and they see a church member and they say, hey, show me your treasures at once. And that church member, he pointed over to uh, a group of uh, widows and orphans who just so happened to be sitting there eating. And he said, uh, sir, he said, those are the treasures of the church. He says, we have invested all that we have into them. So that is treasure in heaven. Jesus is saying that, that treasures in heaven is where God is right now. And that where if you can learn to love and serve God right now, then you have, the treasure, you have treasure in the present as well as the future. Jesus gives us two treasures. Which will you choose? He goes on to say in verse 21, he says, for where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. So what you claim as your treasure is an outward expression of your heart. If Jesus's disciples will keep their hearts fully focused on the father in heaven, then all treasures of this earth will pale in comparison. Where's your heart? Is it always the Lord's calf that has to die? Or are we making kingdom investments? Verses 22 through 23, Jesus, he makes a really interesting statement. He says that the eye is the lamp of the body. So what, is, what does Jesus mean here when he, when, he, when he says this? In Jesus's metaphorical language here, he says that the eyes, they illuminate a person's inner self. Think about it this way. The eye is like a window. If the window is clean and clear, then light is gonna flood into the room. But if the, the, the window is blacked out, then no light enters in. The same is true with the heart. If your heart is towards God, then your entire spiritual being is enlightened. But if your heart is towards the material things and the very treasures of this world, the blinds come down on your spiritual perception and you do not see spiritually as you should. Jesus gives us two, two visions here. Which will you choose? 
Verse 24, he goes on to say that no one can serve two masters. You know, one might push back on this and say, look, I don't believe that I can't serve two masters. You know, look, I, I work two jobs and, and I, can, I can serve two different masters. We have to understand this, what Jesus means here by this word serve. And so this word serve, it does not refer to an employee uh, in a nine to five job, but rather if you're taking notes, it means to be a slave. So if we know a, a slave was the property of a, of a master and this slave was to be totally devoted to obedience to that one specific master. And so Jesus is saying, look, it's utterly impossible to express that kind of obedience to two different masters. In the book of Romans chapter six, we see that, that now that we've come to Christ, we we should surrender ourselves to Jesus. Everything that we have because we are servants to him. We are his slaves and we are no longer slaves to sin. If we try to, try to split that devotion with money, you're gonna hate one or you're gonna hate the other. Because one, if you're taking notes, one commands you to walk by faith and one commands you to walk by sight. As followers of Christ, man, we must completely reject, completely hate anything that hinders the complete lordship of Jesus Christ in our lives. Two masters, which will you choose? Verse 25, Jesus goes on to say, do not be anxious about your life. Don't worry, he says, what you're gonna eat, what you're gonna drink, or even what you're gonna wear. And so we, we have to understand that when Jesus is speaking these words, they were, they were tremendous and they were powerful spoken in the context of the day. When you are one who is totally dependent upon the natural resources. For some of us, worry takes up a huge part of our lives. That the English word worry, it, has a, uh, it comes from a, an old German root that means this, to choke or to strangle. Think about that. Worry can literally become the strangling or the choking of the mental realm. It's a very dangerous thing. It can take a huge toll on the lives of people. Uh, me and my wife um, for a season found ourselves worrying a lot, actually. We felt that the Lord was, was calling us into, um, I guess you could say out of a season of life and a way of life and, and, and into a new one. And so um, in this season, we, we had very little. And we honestly, we wondered like where the necessities of, necessities of life are gonna come from. So as we, we stepped into this season, the Lord did an incredible work. And we oftentimes look back on these moments. Um, we actually, we ended up moving out of our, our first home. And uh, as we stepped into this new way of life, we moved out of our first home. We had no clue where we were gonna go. This was a Wednesday. The ne that next day on a Thursday, I get a call from a guy who says, hey man, um, I had one of my rental homes uh, opened up and uh, you guys can move in tomorrow. I don't know if you know, but Blue Ridge is, uh, when, you, when you're trying to find rentals, it's very hard. He says, hey, you can, you can, you can open up or you can move in tomorrow. One of our, in that season, I remember one of our phones had broken and it was gonna be about $200 to fix. 
So we, we, go, we, t- we took it in to get you know, fixed, and uh, my wife goes to pick up the phone, and the, the guy says, uh, ma'am, um, your phone bill has already been covered. One time we, we had about um, $3 left in our bank account because we, we went and, and bought groceries for the week, and uh, that was, that's what was left, and, and we still needed gas for our vehicles. Didn't know, you know, where we're going to find the gas to, 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 um, to put in our cars for the week. This was on a Saturday. That, na- that next day, I get out of church. I go and open the door to my truck, and someone laid a gas card in the seat of my truck. One of our phone bills was due that month, and uh, I get a text from uh, a cousin of mine and said, Hey, man, I'm, I'm going to cover your phone bill this month. Our, uh, our dryer uh, went out, had no money to, to, to put into it, buy another one, just like, God, like, what are we going to do? I get a call from a random stranger, I have no clue who this guy is. He calls me up and he says, hey man, my name is Matt, and I know you don't, don't know me, but man, I have a heart to pour into youth pastors. And he, he goes on to share his heart and he tells me, he says, at the end of a conversation, he says, man, I know this is random, he says, but... um." Hey, I have a dryer that, uh, that I need to give away. <laughs> really? <laughs> He's like, do you know anybody who needs it? Yes, yes, I do. Man, me and my wife, we look back on those moments and we see the Lord taking care of us, how he, he took care of us. We, we see him providing and, and we have personally, we have seen his tender care as his followers of Jesus has surrendered to him and say, God, I don't know what this, this next season looks like, but I'm just going to trust that you're going to provide. And he did, and he has every single time. Worry is literally the sin of us distrusting the promise and the providence of God, yet we do it all the time. Worry, if you're taking notes is wasting today's time to clutter up tomorrow's opportunities with yesterday's troubles. One of the names of God is Jehovah Jireh. It literally means the one who, the Lord who provides, the one who provides. It's so much a characteristic of who he is that it's his name. See, we would never argue that God is, is holy and just and good and, and merciful and, 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 and all those things. But yet we doubt whether God will provide for our needs. And so Jesus here is telling us, he's look, he says, look, it's not wrong to save. It's not wrong to have bank accounts. It's not wrong to, to plan and, and food and drink and clothes. I'm not saying that, that those things don't matter. But the point is priorities. Don't spend all of your time worrying about those things. Jesus tells us in verse 26 that we have a lot to learn by just looking at the birds of the air. You know what's interesting about the birds is the birds, they don't know where they're gonna find their food. They just go and they fly until they find it because God is the one who provides it. And Jesus is saying, look, if the birds don't have to worry, why are you worrying? Why? God doesn't just create life. He sustains it. He sustains it. And Jesus is saying, look, you are more valuable than the birds. 
There was no bird ever created in the image of God. There was no bird who was created to be joint heirs with Jesus. There was no bird ever created to have a place prepared for them in heaven in the Father's house. Jesus is telling us here though also, he's not saying that we just sit around and don't do anything. But through our efforts, man, God will provide. Verse 27, not only will you not lengthen your life by worrying, but you're probably gonna shorten it. You can worry yourself to death, but you will never worry yourself to life. As followers of Christ, man, we must give our lives to him and live in obedience to him. And he will give us the fullness of our days. In verses 28 through 30, Jesus, he says, why are you worrying about your clothing? And then he points to the lilies and the grass. And so in those times, if, if you were really poor, you, 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 know, you didn't have many resources. In today's society, a lot of us spend time worrying about our clothes that they're just, because they're just not in style. And so Jesus here, he points us, he does something so beautiful. He points us to the wondrous beauty about a flower. And he says, yet they don't make their own clothing. What Jesus is doing here is he's, he's reminding us of God's provision in nature for the flowers that grow wild. And then he does something really cool here. He, he actually, he contrasts the flowers uh, to Solomon's robe. Solomon, the, the greatest, the wisest, the richest, had no clothing that could equal the texture and the beauty of a flower. God's provision for the flowers and the grasses of the field calls them to be more beautiful than what we could ever clothe ourselves with if we would just stop, look, and change our perspective. Jesus goes on to say in the latter half of, uh, of verse 30, he says, oh, you of little faith. To me, I see this is kind of like a sucker punch in the gut from Jesus. Not that he really did that, but I can just see him doing that. He says, oh, you have little faith. You know what's really interesting when he says this? What he's doing here, this, this phrase is actually used four other times um, when, when Jesus is speaking in the gospels. And every time he uses it, it's in reference to food, clothing, or lifespan. You know what's even more interesting? When he says this, you know who he's speaking to? His disciples. The ones who should have known better the ones who have seen Jesus provide. And so, oh, you of little faith is not the absence of faith, but deficiency of faith. We have the faith, we're just not applying it. Like we believe that, that God saves us from our sins. He, he, he breaks the chains of Satan. He, he redeems us, gives us eternal life, but yet we have a hard time believing that he's gonna provide us with some food and clothing for the next couple of days. How ridiculous of us. How ridiculous of us. I'm speaking to myself. And how can, we, how can we speak and talk so much about how we believe the very, the very words in this Bible and yet we worry about God fulfilling what he says he's gonna do. Church, I believe this is why we daily, we've gotta sit with the word of God so that his words, his very words are fresh in our minds 
and in our hearts. Jesus goes on to say in verse 32, the, words, uh, the word Gentile here, it just simply means people without God, unbelievers, those who have not personally seen the tender care of the heavenly father. If you believe that your heavenly father loves you and he cares for you, then believe that he knows your needs. If your heavenly father knows your life and your needs, then rest in the truth that he cares. Jesus uh, goes on uh, in verse 34, telling us that, look, we've got we've to remember that God is the God of tomorrow, just like he is the God of today. Listen, you have enough to deal with today. So take the resources of today for today, or you're going to lose the joy of today. Many of us, we, we, we lose our joy because of worrying about tomorrow. And see, worrying about what tomorrow looks like and, and, and our future, it robs us of our, of our effectiveness today, which means that we're probably going to be even less effective tomorrow. Many of us are crucifying ourselves between two thieves. The regrets of yesterday and the worries of tomorrow. Listen, don't start tackling tomorrow's problems until tomorrow. You don't have tomorrow's strength yet. But instead, our Heavenly Father promises us, I will give you strength for one day at a time. He doesn't give me the grace for tomorrow until tomorrow. Each day, take it day by day. Jesus, um, in our last uh, scripture here, he, uh, he tells us in verse 33, he goes on to tell us, he says, look, don't worry. And he tells us what we should do instead. In verse 33, he says this, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Get your thoughts on the divine level and God will take care of the physical. See, in, in all of this, Jesus is telling us that seeking the kingdom of God is the remedy for it all. So what does that mean? What does it, what, what does it mean to seek the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God is simply Christ's rule. Seeking the kingdom of God means that Jesus is in charge. Seeking the kingdom of God is, is when we are under the lordship of Jesus Christ, completely surrendered to him. See, true commitment to the king means true commitment to his kingdom. Don't worry, Jesus says, about, uh, uh, about, about wealth and, and possessions. Don't seek after those things. Sure, it's okay to have them, but don't let that be the, the main priority in your life. He says, rather, simply Seek holiness and godliness, his kingdom, the things of the kingdom of God. In World War II, um, the death of, of many um, adults left for many orphans. And so the, the allies um, at the end of the war actually provided some, 
um, some camps for these orphans and uh, in, in a way to provide um, them for, for food and, and the necessities of life. They took, they took great care of them. And, uh, but one of the, one of the, in one of the camps, the, the officials, they became extremely perplexed because they realized that, that these orphans, they would lay awake at night. I mean, they, they had the finest care. They, they were given three uh, good meals a day, but yet they would simply lie awake at night. And so they brought in some, some psychologists to do a study to figure out like, what's going on? What's, what's, what's the reason behind this? And they came up with a solution. The very solution that they gave was at night, they would, they would walk down the rows of these, these beds and they would take a piece of bread and they would place that piece of bread um, in the hand of these little orphans so that the last thing that they would experience um, before they went to sleep was that they would have food the next day. Why? Why, 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 did, why did they receive this and because of receiving this began to sleep through the night? The reason was that their past experiences of, of being left stranded and alone taught them that there was no hope for tomorrow. And they could not sleep because of the worry that, that filled them with what's going to happen tomorrow. What, is, what does my tomorrow look like? Where, where am I going to get food and, and, and clothing? And they couldn't enjoy the food that they were given, the three good meals they were given each day because of being worried and afraid of the future. But see, when, when that little piece of bread was, was placed in their hands and they closed their hand around that bread before they went to sleep at night, they knew that tomorrow I'm going to have breakfast. So church, I, I want us to stand. And, and as we stand, um, and I was just thinking that on this story, you know, God, God has promised something to us. He, he's promised to give us that little piece of bread for our hand. And you might ask, well, what is that? I believe that Philippians 4.19 is the answer. It says, but my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Your church as followers of Christ, we're not spiritual orphans. We need not to worry. That's so tough. It's so hard. But we've got to remember that worry is simply the sin of distrusting the promise and the providence of God. Yet we do it all the time. So this morning, as, as the band leads us in a final and a familiar song, maybe this morning you need to repent. Repent of the sin of worry because it is just flooding your life. Maybe this morning you need to confess that your heart's not been in the right place. In regards to my treasures and the things of this world, they've become the priority. Maybe our, we need a shifting of our heart to put our priorities in right with the Lord. If we prioritize the wrong things, our lives will go off the rails. But if we prioritize the right things, our lives will stay in the transformative footsteps of our risen Savior. 
Jesus promises to meet our needs. And our needs, they may be tangible, but sometimes our need may just be having strength for the day to get through the day. Jesus promises, I'm gonna provide it. The church this morning, as the band leads, may you respond to however the Lord is leading you.